Hey everyone, this is Sam Culpepper bringing you the Culpepper Chronicles, where myself and special guests hope to bring you, the listener, more information in regards to self-sufficiency, fieldcraft, survival, marksmanship, gear, and theory with the aids of not only personal experience and opinion, but historical and technical documentation as well. All in the hopes to better prepare you for impending collapse and hard times to come. Now, pull up a seat and let's get down to it. Hey everybody, this is Sam. To preface tonight's episode, you may be wondering why it's season two, episode one. So I mentioned before uh, in one of my earlier podcasts, I kind of wanted to break this up in seasons. That way it's easier for you as the listener to go and find the topics that you're looking for. So it's a whole lot easier to say, oh, that was in season two, like episode three versus episode 33 or 403 or however it is. So that's the reason for that. I hope you enjoy. Hey everybody, this is Sam coming to you with another episode of the Culpeper Chronicles. Tonight is Season 2, Episode 1, the ISG Interview. I'm joined with Aaron and Jake Allen from Integrated Skills Group. Guys, how's it going? Good. We, uh, we're three guys here on the first game of the World Series talking about this. Yeah, man. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm, I'm excited. You know, we tried to get it going before and, and had some issues linking up, so I'm happy it's finally getting going. Yeah. So, uh, Aaron, do you want to uh, just kind of tell us what ISG is and who it's for? For those that don't know, like me, it took, I didn't know y'all existed until I found like a random picture of you looking like, you know, the dude from Uncharted. And uh, <laughs> and I clicked on it on, on Instagram. And I was like, okay, this is kind of cool. And at first I was like, okay, this is some like range LARP thing. And I saw, <laughs> I read the description on it. I was like, okay, that kind of makes sense. So then I clicked on the page. I'm like, okay, like 90% of this makes sense. And then uh, I actually ran into a dude in a different Discord. He's like, oh, no, they're legit. You should check it out. And, and here we are. That's good to hear. Uh, you know, a lot, of, a lot of times for us being more on the back end of, of all these processes, we don't, really, we don't get much of the chatter. So when people are happy with ISG, we don't really hear it. So it's, it's always really nice to hear that other people in other places are talking. Like, yeah, those guys are cool. Um, because, you know, uh, ISG, first and foremost, isn't a new thing. Um, so a lot of people don't know that, but ISG actually started in uh, 2009, and it was kind of an informal network of my, some friends and I, and um, at the time, most of us were in the military or um, finishing up things, uh, like a couple of the guys were officers, so they were, they were in like Bullock and finishing their, their officership, um, and we started really swapping ideas, and we're like, well, you know, we're all working in different venues we should cross train each other you know, there's no good reason that we shouldn't like at least be aware of what we're all doing in our respective jobs and a lot of us kind of grew up together so we knew each other really well and it worked good uh, and as it, it kind of grew a little bit but it stayed you know just kind of a core group of guys who got together and would train and go out and hit the woods and, and more or less it was just it was kind of like making all of the stuff um, that you would do in the military more enjoyable Right? Like finding applicable ways to to translate those skills into the more like the citizens paradigm, um, and so we started doing that. And then, um, man, uh, quite a few years go by. It's 2016, and uh, at a uh, overseas PSD course, it was a private security de- detail course, where I met Gino, and uh, you know, we got talking. You know, Gino, so he's got a big cigar, and he's sitting there with a glass of whiskey, just, uh, catching up and getting to know one another. And he's like, "This is a great idea, dude." 
you, you can't just like keep this to yourself. This is something that people really need because there's just a void uh, when you go out there into the social media world. World, it's all very much, um, it's all very scripted, right? It's it's kind of a play, and these guys are acting out their personas, and a lot of a lot of times it'll legit guys. You know, there's nothing wrong with that, but it's not very applicable for the regular person. And whereas ISG, like, this is a long way around the story of Gino telling me, like, dude, you've got to get an elevator pitch. You've got to be able to describe ISG in a few words. And if I was to do that, it would be, it's voiced out for adults. It's all the stuff that we should have learned as young men and children. And most of us didn't just based on the time that we live in. I like that. Boy Scouts for adults. I like that. Because <laughs> yeah, so I, mean, like- I mean, like, like in all truth, like, like when you said that, like that just makes perfect sense. Because I mean, I've taken the time to read not all the articles because there's a freaking many of them, but the vast majority of articles out there and listen to several of the podcasts. And obviously I'm, I'm decently active in the discord app and stuff like that. So like it really, that really does sum it up as boy scouts for adults, because you're right. It's, it's not necessarily like all the stuff that you see on Instagram because 90% of the Instagram stuff is the cool stuff, right? It's the shooting and and the moving and the running and the yelling contact and all the other fun stuff that we do. Um, But what's nice about ISG is like, that's part of it. But there's so much more. It, it's so applicable to just general disaster. It's like it, it, it's it, it just it really just nails it. And I it almost convicted me when I was reading all this stuff and like watching it and and, and diving into. It. I was like, holy crap! Okay, I kind of started out on this route when I first started, like a decade or so ago, kind of getting into all this. Um, and and I drifted, and now I'm like, okay, I need to I need to kind of ground myself back into it. That's a very, very common thing. And, you know, to be honest, we've talked this over because, you know, you know, Jake and Gino and I and John, we're, we'll talk and we'll have sessions where we're trying to figure out, like, hey, how can, we, how can we reach people? But not just how can we reach people. How can we reach the people who are kind of ready for the message? Because a lot of times, like, dude, when I was 19, 24, ISG wouldn't have made a whole lot of sense to me, right? It's something you kind of have to grow into. And we, we kind of go through those phases where it's like, hey, we're into the material stuff. We want to we wanna talk about what's better, ARs or AKs or 9mm or 45 or plate carriers or low-profile rigs or whatever. And you kind of have to work that out of your system and be like, look, man, I've, I've played with all the cool stuff. Um, I've got enough experience to know that's not really – that's the icing on the cake. And um, the things that are really worth focusing on are not sexy or glamorous, right? They're, they're the rote day-in and day-out habits that we have and we build. They're the, the friends. You know, again, really don't turn that, that corporate approach of um, everybody kind of can and uh, we're stronger for that. So it's like, who's that guy who wants to come out when I'm done with us and he's a logistician? Well, we're not going to be like, well, dude, you're, you know, you're a rear echelon guy. We're not interested in that. Uh, we're like, okay, well, what do you know? You know, you can be taught and you can teach. So uh, being able to pick those things up is an important thing. Um, and I suppose it's also really important to talk a little bit about uh, what separates ISG on the back end, uh, because as you, you probably know, one of the, the core articles is understanding emergencies. And knowing where that came from, I think, is probably pretty important to listeners or people who are just coming in. And it's, it's disorienting. Like, if you start diving through ISG, we have over 200 articles now, and, man, it can be really hard to know where to start. But... Hands down, the two places that, that a new reader should go to first are understanding emergencies and spheres of violence. And the two kind of play off each other, and they form 
you know, kind of like the central point in ISG solar system, kind of like the sum of the, the ISG solar system. And the idea behind them is I was working in the last few years, I was in the military, I was working for the Homeland Response Force, because uh, I did the last few years in the Guard. And um, we were standing up state level uh, interfaces for like joint task forces. So they would interface with federal, state, municipal uh, actors to bring about swift resolutions for emergencies. And you know, we got done with one or two of them, and, and each time I seen the same trend, where it's like, man, these guys are just patting each other on the back. They didn't even think about what happens in a real emergency. Like, they, they scripted this thing, and they, they acted it out. This is very similar to social media. And then they, they high-fived each other and, and put it on their ETR or OPRs for bullet points. But it, they didn't really... Hey, Aaron, can I, can I cut in here? Yeah. Yeah. So earlier, um, I thought it was it was a good note that a lot of folks who find ISG and really want to sink their teeth into it um, often come from this angle where they're, I guess, lack of a better phrase, disenfranchised or maybe bored of the bigger like tactical media that's out there. And, um, you know, you said it in the scripted part, and I've only been with ISG two or three years now, but what drew me to it and what I really liked about what I was reading um, was that the viewpoints were very organic. You talked about a lot of scripted stuff earlier. There's a lot of telephone game out there. There's a lot of guy who learned something from another guy who learned something from another guy. And now he's teaching it to you. And we all know how well the telephone game continues to get played. The more people you add to the game. Right. And, you know, I came into it. I was, I was writing on other blogs, and they wanted to write about treating concussions, but everyone just wanted a what's the best fucking IFAC article, and I got tired of it. And then, lo and behold, find ISG, and they're like, yeah, we definitely want a concussion article. Yeah. And uh, I found a bunch of folks that uh, the, the viewpoints on ISG, and this is really the value of it to me and why I think people connect with it, is you could tell it's firsthand, right? So, uh, Yeah, you, there, the guy there's not that a bunch wrote, of smoke blowing. That's yeah, the, the guy that wrote Spheres of Violence has experienced several different spheres of violence. The guy that wrote Understanding Emergencies does so because he has been in several different types of emergencies. And anybody who writes an article writes it based on quite a lot of personal experience and not, you know, I learned this in a class, he said, she said. And so you, you kind of start to come to the difference between knowledge and wisdom, right? And I think that people come away from ISG with a little bit more uh, understanding um, uh, at a level of, of comprehensions that's beyond just like looking in the back of the book for the answers or memorizing your multiplication table, you know, like we did as kids. Um, yeah, I just wanted to get that in there, Aaron, while I was thinking of it. Yeah. And another thing is like, y'all, you can tell it's very much money where your mouth is. So like, for instance, I had got done recently. Uh, actually, it was a, right after the, the September hurricanes uh, that came through, and I just got done reading the levels of disaster article. And then, like f- fresh on the heels of that one, is all said and done, comes kind of like the the hot wash AR of Aaron going down there. And I was like, yeah. okay, like, and and he's talking just like he does in in his articles, and it just fell along with the levels of disaster. And it was him talking about what he experienced, how it fell in line with what they've what they've been talking about in the past and other articles and things that he brought what worked what didn't what he saw and it was just very real and the whole time i'm thinking like okay this dude's actually doing it versus 
the guys who've been sitting around talking about, well, this is the best way to build this AR because I built five of them, and then they sit in the corner of the room. So it's like you can read about it, but know while you're reading it that this stuff is very much out there and it's truthful information, and it's there because you can tell you care about the benefit of the person reading it. It's not, well, like, you, it's not like you do it to be clouded as Internet fame or anything like that. And that's I'll, what I really like about it. I appreciate that greatly. And this is not to get ahead of myself to some of my talk points later, but um, one of the big things that's challenging for us is we try to keep everything as real as possible, I guess you could put it say. We don't go out to train to take photos. We go out and train together and photos happen to happen. You know what I'm saying? Like we don't say, oh, we should really get some good photos of us going out starting fires. We say, hey, man, I haven't practiced fire starting in a while may as well bring the camera, you know? And so what you'll find on the YouTube channel, on the Instagram and in the articles is generally we were out there doing it, actually doing the thing. And then photos were a byproduct of doing the actual thing versus the other way around. And y'all, I I think it's Aaron will apologize like how there's not a whole lot of like media content. There's not a lot of videos and pictures like, oh, we did this, but there wasn't a whole lot of pictures and videos because you were busy doing it. Like, you didn't yeah. go out there with a camera to stage it and then get a ton of videos on it. And, like, where I'm at, I understand that because – so, and this is me probably being a bit of a hypocrite because if anyone who's followed my Instagram looks at the stuff that I put out there, like, I am showcasing things that obviously can't necessarily take place right now. So, like, like the grill for top stuff that I put out and some of the other things, like, that's not necessarily taking place. I'm giving examples and showing stuff for future possible information. So it's not like I can necessarily do it and do it in real text versus like when y'all put out a video of exploring a city and, you know, rappelling over uh, a guardrail 10 foot and everything else like that just happened to be because someone had enough time to take a picture or video. You didn't do it because you wanted to showcase anything. It just happened to be something y'all been talking about and it played out. Yeah. 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 Well, you know, it kind of, it kind of ties back to what I was uh, driving at with the whole uh, understanding of agency spend, and that is that end, end result, long story short, um, the disaster response organizations have a top-down approach. They're there for the mayors and the city council and stuff first, and they're not thinking of the citizen. The individual is absolutely the bottom of the, uh, the hierarchy, and that means you've got to be able to self-rescue, right? So the information that we're bringing out is kind of the um the opposite is the panacea to that approach it's like hey look you are absolutely capable of learning these things we can teach you these things and can practice them in a way that is doesn't have to be weird right you don't have to live like a prepper lifestyle in order to go out and learn how to repel or learn how to do bleeding control those are totally prudent things that give you like experience and adventure in life and that's that's kind of the angle it's funny because we've been criticized by that uh, for that by um by other social media people where they're like, oh, you guys are just like the adventure writers, right? It's like, you don't get it. And that's yeah. okay. <laughs> you know? yeah. well, but, but also, I, yes, I wouldn't mind that. But uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, like, like, I would agree that like, you have, you have this adventure appeal, but like, that's just like the very, very top skim of it. Like, if you actually look into it, it's like, it's real life appeal. It's, it's right. things that you can learn to actually get yourself out of a jam. Well, you know, to be an adventure rider about tackling the Alpine Trail requires you to have put the vehicle together and 
cobble together the necessary skills and equipment in order to do five days on the Alpine trail. So I, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll own the adventure rider dig. Yeah. And you know, the thing is like, if you, if people get into ISG, if they kind of get it, they're going to see it from the 20,000 foot view as well. And they're going to be like, Oh, okay. I can see how these, these things are not like, they're not compartmentalized. They're links in a long chain. And that chain is very durable. And if you, if you set to work on making it, it's going to benefit you in pretty much every way. You know, because if, if you think about like the way that we've organized, because one of another one of our um, core articles is the five pillars. If you if you think about the way that those things are organized, there's such a Venn diagram, and there's so much overlap in the way um, in the way that you build your skills. So like the fitness that you you develop will help you if you're doing chest compressions just as much as it will if you're rocking. You know, yep. and there's this we call it skill bridging, and um, you know that's another another component of all this is. If you understand the problems and you understand the solutions, then you're going to be able to live without the kind of fear that you see in the prepper culture and without the sort of um, pageantry that you see in like tactical social media. Right. And that's the thing like, and it's one of the things that I, I enjoy is, is you approach things and you go, look, we're, we're giving you a little bit of this information, but the best thing for you to do is go out and do it and understand it for yourself. So, like, a perfect example is, like, the, the pick set. So, uh, today, I was at, like, a satellite location for my job, and I was surrounded by different door locks and cabinet locks and things like that, and literally just spent all day studying the locks and learning how to get bypasses. Um, but, like, everyone else, if they ever post anything, if you ever see anything about it, it's like, oh, you need to jimmy it twice and you're in. And you can tell it was just, like, a perfect setup. Because like obviously I'm I'm not good at it because I'm still learning and practicing and just starting off. But like I can tell you right now, it's not as easy as it's portrayed ninety percent of the time. But had I not took the initiative and used it and and practiced it today, I wouldn't have known that. I would have walked around believing what I've seen on YouTube that it's like a bobby pin and a screwdriver and that's all you need type of thing. Right, man, oh man. Um, you, we've we've made enemies. Uh, in in that world because of that in the the short version i categorically don't badmouth anybody uh because i think it's unprofessional and uncool and it's not really it's just not with our values but a pretty high profile dude was showing uh how to melt the internals of a lock and he was presenting it like this was something that could be done at any old lock it's like dude no hold up you know the um the melting point of these alloys is like 4500 degrees you're not going to do that with a lighter what you're showing people is a cheap Chinese lock with plastic internals and you're presenting it like you can just do this and you're going to send people out there with bad information. And you know, with locks, it's one thing, but when you get these guys who are like, they're teaching you about violence by, you know, shooting the ground and then running away and stuff like that. Those guys don't get to just put their hands up if they get somebody killed and be like, well, no, I was just an entertainer, right? That should not be okay, but it, yet it is, you know, we accept it because, you know, on social media, it, we want to be and tell people whatever they want. And most people don't have a good frame of reference. So they don't understand, like, dude, if you do that, you've just justified lethal force for the enemy. You know, your adversary now can be like, well, the, the guy shot the ground and, and started running. And we were scared for our lives at that point. You've just yeah. given him a justification, a legal defense in court, right? Like, there's a lot of dimensions. And you know, this is probably a, a good time to segue into spheres of violence. Um, and what we not too heavily, but... The idea behind spheres of violence is that 
it exists in different pockets, right? Like what a soldier experiences is very different than what a guy growing up and going to, you know, Garfield in, in LA is going to experience versus a guy who's a police officer, right? So violence doesn't translate one for one. The infantry dude who comes back from Iraq and like, well, I'll teach you how to do violence. Will you though? Do you understand that like the LOAC and, um, you know, the road don't apply here? You know, this is a totally different environment. And we started seeing that stuff really early on and how there just wasn't a good translation. And, and really, when you get down to it, it, the most base unit in society is the citizen, right? So everything should start from the citizen and work its way up. But we have this, this inverse effect where everything is working its way down from the military, from the police, from federal law enforcement or whatever else. So like, I, think that, I think that we need to kind of change that paradigm a little bit. Yeah, I agree. And and it's something that I've seen a lot, like I said, when I was starting out, like I was a civilian and still am. And I would see like YouTube videos and stuff like that, where it's prior military guys or current military guys teaching these things. And, and because that's the only frame of reference I had, I thought that that integrated into my life. And the more I did it and followed along that path, I got to a point where I'm like, this isn't working like this. This is not right. Like I don't, I, I can't walk around dressed like a five eleven model right. and have like a plate carrier and a rifle in my truck. What I can do is go through my day. And if I need to like drive off somewhere and, and do anything, toss the rifle and a spare mag in my truck while dressed in Carhartt work clothes, because that's what 90% of the people around me wear. And that's what I wear on a daily basis around our little modest homestead of a thing that we've got going. And if I'm wearing that, I'm going to be like concealing a pistol versus wearing an outer belt and like a level three duty holster. So I, I have different requirements than what 90% of the people out there portray, but what an equal 90% of the people watching try and emulate. Well, so, you know, I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't blame most people, honestly. And um, tell you what, I, ISG for as much as we, as popular as our industry cringe channel is, I'll tell you, um, we uh, we definitely uh, want to be a home for folks who are trying to get past that kind of idea or having that little bit of a realization uh, to come into a, a wider idea. And why I say that I don't blame most people is that's most of what's out there, right? Like if you Google, you know, top phones, most people are going to start going down a dichotomy of arguing Samsung versus iPhone and starts to get deeper and deeper into like phone nerd stuff that you find everything else. And it's very much the same way when it gets into guns and it's not just civilians, man. I can't tell you how uh, frustrating it is to me to find someone who is a firearms instructor that wants to talk about uh, their experience in the military but all they ever did was call their rifle and, oh, by the way, they were a tanker, but now they're teaching you a concealed carry course and pretending like their military service somehow informed that, right? And then likewise, because that's all they ever knew, they're teaching you things from the context that they learned and or were taught to apply it to a different context, but because perhaps they've never actually applied it themselves, they don't know the situations in which it's truly applicable. So, um, yeah, I, I definitely uh, would not want to put off the vibe that we're super judgmental or dismissive of folks that are like coming from that very like super duper tactical, like 
VP9 versus MNP sort of like video series because man, it's just everybody starts somewhere, you know. Like I, when I started playing guitar, I learned a fucking Nirvana song, right? That's not where I ended up, but it's just where everyone starts. Yeah. So there's a, a growth period. And to piggyback kind of on what you were just talking about, as far as, and we'll get back to the levels of disaster and spheres of violence because that's a that's a that's the core, you know, the core principles of ISG. I want to get back to it, but but to piggyback on what you're talking about, what it, it all falls back to you don't know what you don't know. So, like, when I was starting out, I didn't realize that the dude who just came back from the Middle East that never carried a pistol the entire time he was over there isn't the best person to train concealed carry with. What I needed to be looking for was the dude who's a nine-to-five banker and is carrying a pistol every day without anyone around him possibly knowing. And I need to be learning concealed carry tactics from him because he's able to conceal said pistol around close employees, a nine-to-five top job. Mm. Gino Gino pretty famously likes to talk about how appendix carry came from criminals. Yeah, that's really the best way to not print. It definitely did. That's a and that's you know something that I drive back to with with my background because I did I didn't grow up in a in a particularly good area or good family or things like that. Not to say that all my family's bad. Uh, Most of them are are pretty good folks, but immediate family was pretty troubled and uh you know the the criminal underworld was a pretty much a daily part of life and uh when you when you look at the things that they do to stay alive one of the things that i I really think that people don't understand is the shit has already hit the fan for these people for people living in the bottom rungs of society see you know the shit has already hit the fan and there's no like fun tropes or imagining going on down there. Nobody's thinking about what they might do with their rifle and plate carrier because they're, they're struggling to survive on a daily basis. And every little possible infraction is something that's going to get you sent to jail and have your hoopty impounded. And if you get caught carrying that handgun, uh, you just plucked out of out from under a, you know, a bucket in a trailer park, then you're going to jail, right? And nobody's going to bail you out. You don't have access to good lawyers. You've got some public pretender who's going to go in there He's in basically working with the DA to, to get you to go for a plea bargain, and so they can they can hem you up. They get federal dollars if you go to jail. They get they get money if you settle because you're gonna have to pay court fees, so forth. So like those guys, they have a lot to lose, right? They're they're getting the daily experience of living in a, in a post collapse environment, and nobody even recognizes it. Yeah, and it really is it. it... It's sad that no one recognizes it. I recognize it for the most part just because of the people I've talked to. It's not that I lived that life, but I have I've sought out people that have and talked to them. And because uh, I have the frame of reference that it's kind of like you're talking about, the shit's already hit the fan for those people. And everyone who doesn't experience that that's sitting in their suburban home listening to this, which there's nothing wrong with that. Hey, if you've got a good life, you've got a good life. But we're set, those people are sitting there waiting for said climactic event. Whereas the people that they're they're actually around every day and they, they probably don't even realize it have had the climactic events since they were, you know, 10 and dad came home drunk and beat mom type thing. And, right. and they've had to deal with that and survive for the last decade. Whereas you've had to deal with which Dorito bag you want to buy from the store and bring it home to eat for the last yeah. decade. So like it, it's all a frame of reference, but people get lost in that. Yeah, and I don't, I don't want to diminish because um, history has shown us pretty clearly that people from all classes 
can rise to occasions. There's really no, there's no socioeconomic determinism, so to speak. Like you, you get people who are, are wealthy and soft-handed who, you know, go totally Theodore Roosevelt when they get the opportunity. And then you get people from the lower classes who step up and take charge and do amazing things in, in catastrophes. But I think the, the thing that we need to understand about all of this is that when we're talking about you know, what is, what is a collapse look like? People in Dearborn already know, you know what I mean? They're living day to day without knowing what they're, they're going to eat. And a lot of the people who are lecturing us on the subject will be like, oh, well, I'm going to tell you about urban survival. And here I am walking down an alley with a hoodie and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look badass when I pull my Glock in this guy. It's like, yeah, but do you really want to take that advice from a dude who's never missed a meal? You know, that's, that's a <laughs> thing, right? Yeah, if you're having to go and actively seek out a dark alley in order to put your hoodie on to film the shot for the, the topic yeah. you're looking for, you may not be the best source of reference for having to deal with that. However, right. that does segue us beautifully into levels of disaster because, you know, we need to talk about that as well. Yeah. yeah. So, Aaron, do you want to go into the different levels of disaster that I'll talk about? I, I've talked about it briefly in some of my other podcasts, uh, just hinting and, and saying, you know, like this is kind of what y'all classify stuff as. But like, yeah. would you like to give us the, the the word of mouth from the man himself type thing? Yeah, I'd love to. And, and this is something that I'm I'm passionate about because I truly think that this is this is more than just um, information. It's kind of a template for thought. And if you use it, it's going to really clarify why we do everything we do. It all kind of orbits. And the idea is that emergencies break down in in what we define as three loose um, kind of dichotomous situations between time and intensity. So the, the type one emergency, which is a situation that's unfolding right now, they typically don't last more than 24 hours. And, t- and very, very often, they're usually on a timeline of minutes, right? So if you're, if you're drowning, for example, by nature of drowning, you're either going to get out of the water or you're going to drown and die, and that only takes you three minutes or so. Uh, same thing if you're in a car fire. Like you either get out of the car fire or you die, and, and that's horrible. So the type one emergency is the immediate. It's high intensity, but very short duration. And these are things that directly threaten you as a person, right? And so the things that you have on you are tools that you utilize. You can't run back to your car and get them in most cases. Um, or if, it, if it's at your house, like if you need a tourniquet and it's sitting in your, um, your bag in your garage, well, it might as well be on the moon because you're not going to get to it in time. So the type one emergency is anything from like a criminal assault, to car wreck. And for these things, we cultivate hand-to-hand skills, our physical fitness, our ability to do CPR and first aid and stop blood loss, uh, good, good awareness. Good awareness is truly like one of the most central things that you could, you could possibly cultivate. Uh, we can come back to that if you want. But essentially, when you're dealing with a type 1, you have what's on you and what's in your head, and it's go time, right? You, you can escape it, or you can throw down, and those are really your only options. When we progress to the type two, now we're talking about more like regional disasters. And the, the critical difference between a type two and a type three is duration, right? A type two is a moderate intensity. So it's something that's happening and it's, it's definitely impacting your life, but it's not really threatening you as a person. So like if you got snowed into your apartment in New York, like happened a few, a few years ago or in Texas, like uh, last year, that's a type two, right? The chances of a type one going up, like your your access to shelter and things like that, because you can die of exposure in three hours, that's definitely a type one. 
those the risks of those embedded in a type two increase, and that's one of the, the hallmarks of the type two. So it's going on, it's in the background, but it's not indefinite. Usually these situations will resolve within five weeks. And I say five weeks, so that's about how long it took uh, to get the Rollins back on, uh, you know, some sort of a routine after Hurricane Katrina. That was one of the longer disasters we've had. Now, really important is, dude, I cannot tell you how many times I see, like, you know, Navy SEAL gives advice about what to do in a in hurricane or something like that. And it's like, look, man. All of their advice has got to do with running and gunning, and I'll tell you firsthand, that's just not what happens. Most of the time, like, and this is backed up with statistics, and I'm not pull this out of my ass, like 90 to 95% of the time, you see massive amounts of altruism. You see people coming out of their home to help clear their neighbor's yard of branches and debris. They'll pull each other out of flooded buildings. Like, people typically work together. You get into these, the type two emergencies, and people usually will, will help each other. Um, type one, not so much. You have the bystander effect, and you're really on your own. And that's kind of a, a conflation between the two. But type one, you need to be self-reliant. Type, or sorry, type one, self-reliant. Type two, you probably need some community. And um, the type three is indefinite. It's a low, slow burn that just doesn't end. And you're living in one right now. See. And- so I want you to talk more about that top three, if you can, and, and what you mean by living in one right now, because like most of the stuff that I have put out as far as content wise has really been geared towards the top three. And I never really found a good definition of it until I read your different tops as far as levels of disaster, because top three is one of those things that <clears throat> we're going to be going through it for a long time. And while there's not high intensity all the time, there's going to be those spurts of high intensity. And, yes. and that, that falls into like, as far as the content that I've put out of things like, you know, defending, defending your neighborhood from a rival gang that's came in trying to steal resources and stuff like that. Uh, because you are in this impending time frame of never ending uh, doom, I guess you could call it where, you know, government shut down that type of thing. And everyone's, you, you went through the top one, which was like a climactic event. Top two's happened. Everyone's hopeful that things are going to get better. And then you roll into top three where it's just like, this is life from here on. You're living as a refugee. And the only way you can really get through it is banding together. And you will have those little spurts of high intensity. Yes. And, and yeah. just to be clear, uh, you don't always have – so we're living in a type three right now. And I'll, I'll define that in, in a second. But it's not a foregone conclusion that you'll experience type one or two in that. Each of these are kind of separate. Um, but – Within the type three, essentially what you're seeing is a fundamental change to the way you live on an indefinite timeline. And, and COVID has done that. And from the very beginning, like regardless of your politics, regardless of how you feel about COVID, we said from the onset, the second and third order effects are what is really going to be the, the big thing to watch with COVID. And that is the economic fallout, the people who are unable to work, the long-term unemployed, the displaced. And, and things like that. So we've seen those, and you know we haven't been 100% correct on everything because it's the future and it's hard to make predictions about it. But um, when we're living in a situation like this, we just don't know. Like it could, it could, this could theoretically transcend the COVID disaster and turn into an economic collapse, which it looks like it very well might. And when yeah. you have these long, slow burns like this, um, the the focus needs to shift 
from like, hey, here's the few weeks that we have in the pantry, and we've got a rifle and some, and some food and a handgun, so if somebody tries to break in and defend ourselves or whatever else, to we need a way to produce our own power. We need a way to procure clean water. We need a way to you know grow our own food. And that's a, a lifestyle change, right? When yeah. you have... Focusing more on sustainment and long-term survival. Right. Well, even even in militaries and full armed conflicts, like sanctioned mm-hmm. conflicts, disease kills more people than bullets. That was true in World War One and everywhere before it. Right. And that's one of the things that, you know, Jake and I have we've laughed about and we've written about this. And I say laughs because it's not funny. It's it's you know sardonic humor, but you know, everybody wants to talk about if their picture is the best thing going, but nobody wants to talk about losing a ship when there's no you know, sewer treatment, right? Like, yep. that's a serious issue, you know? Like, if you look around the globe, you have, you know, parasitic and bacterial infections killing hundreds of thousands of people, far more than you do, like, gangs or rebels or anything else. Um, so it's a, that's a very important thing to consider. And, dude, that just doesn't doesn't draw attention. Like, if you post something about that on Instagram, you're not going to get a lot of likes. You know, yeah. and you might turn a head or two. But really the kind of people who are going to look at that and be like, Oh my God, I never even considered where I build an outhouse. Like, I don't know what I was, about, I was going to say. More people are focused on what optic to run as opposed to where to place the outhouse on their property. Well, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to use this as a segue from my big soapbox and the last little thing that I wrote. And it's, I think it's really got to do a lot with what I call the useful truth in that, um, uh, you know, I'm going to shout out to the YouTube channel wisecrack for turning me onto this. Um, so I like the example of Rick Ross. Rick Ross is a rapper, and right now he's filthy rich. Um, he has this persona where he raps about being one of the biggest drug dealer kingpins in all of Miami. Is it true? Well, in fact, before he was a rapper, he worked as a corrections officer. <laughs> yep. He talks I wrote, about I, more, I thought that was hilarious. He worked, talks about it on one of his albums, and how did he get repaid? that album in which he talks about it and then subsequently has nine more songs about being a gigantic kingpin drug dealer is probably platinum by the time that article went live it's uh people just didn't care it was more useful to them to have songs about being a lamborghini driving coke slinger than who it was that the guy really was right and i believe there's an element to that in our preparedness, disaster management, tactical, whatever you call it, sort of community where people like the cool stuff and they want to feel justified in liking the cool stuff, right? In the same way that people like professional wrestling. And, um, you know, it's it's called kayfabe and professional wrestling. And it's it's funny, like if you told someone, hey, man, you know, wrestling's fake. Like, of course they know, but it's, they don't, they don't, it's not the idea that it's real that does it for them. It's the storylines and all the deus ex machina and like the larger than life personalities, you know, it's, it's, it's like realer Marvel, right? They're realer superheroes that like can sign your fucking t-shirt for real. Right. And uh, there's a lot of that now where um, we've created this environment where we market to ourselves and we pat ourselves on the back and we echo chamber tell ourselves yes you need an Elcan. yes now you need the lpvo it's the latest thing and uh to the wayside goes a lot of these other concerns about like can you just filter water right um 
great, you bought an IFAT, your favorite social media medic, put together a Cordura pouch to hold your tourniquet in. Guess what? Your spouse has an infection. What in your IFAT works for that? Yep. You know, did you think about what was actually wrong or is your IFAC just an accessory to your rifle because you want to be a cool guy? And um, there's so much of this, so much of our community that everyone buys in because as long as everyone's bought in, then everyone can feel good about just liking the things they like and ignoring a lot of the reality. And the reality is that even in today's military conflicts, Disease still kills more people than anyone else. More people have died of upper respiratory infections or diarrhea in Damascus and Aleppo than any car bomb or drone strike. You know? Yeah. And, and um, I, I ran into something similar not too long ago talking with people. I don't remember where it was. And it, it's not really that important. And the dude just didn't know. But he was he was asking questions like, okay, so I've got, you know, these tourniquets and this gauze. Like, what else do I need in my IFAC? I'm like, well, I don't know about your IFAC, but you should probably have like a SAM splint in your ruck or something. And he's just like, well, what's a SAM splint? <laughs> well, you know, like if you're talking about rucking long distance, there's a good chance you're going to, you know, roll an ankle or, or sprain an ankle or break your freaking ankle uh, coming down weird. And a SAM splint's going to be a whole lot more useful to you because, I mean, sure, you could take two sticks and tourniquet them to your leg, I guess, if you needed to. But, you know, a SAM splint's kind of purpose driven for that. And I had to spell out what a SAM splint was. And that's kind of one of the things I was like, okay, there's a huge disconnect between what is portrayed that you need and what you really need. Like there will be people who don't have like pill packets put together, like of Tylenol and Imodium and stuff like that. But they've got 63 chest seals and chest darts and, and NPAs and OPAs and everything else. Well, tell you what, I'll, I'll take that even a step further. Um, I, I created a fallacy in when I wrote the, uh, SF warship and I called it the an emergency break glass fallacy. And I joked about how every, every office in the world, right. Say it's like a car insurance office. Every office in the world has a fire extinguisher, but who in that office knows how to use a fire extinguisher. Yep. And it's the same thing in the way of like a guy will say, well, I've got Sam splints. All right, sweet. Do you know how to check for position of function, pulse motor and sensory when you're splinting? Right, because that's just as important as the splint, yep. same splint itself. Yeah. And so I think that a lot of people definitely have this like bought gear, check box sort of mentality in emergency break class, and aren't super worried about the idea of actually applying it because it. I don't know. A lot of folks, it looks good on an Instagram post. Yeah. Feel good about it. I don't want someone to listen to this and like go out and buy a Sam splint and then think that they're good. And not know how to use it because, like, you can put a Sam split on a broken foot, but if it's sitting there like purple and like pointed to the side, you're not doing a whole lot of good with the Sam splint. So, uh, le- learn how to use this stuff too, at all, right. all the same. And if I can, I, I want to tie this back to the whole understanding emergencies thing because, again, this is like central to all of our philosophy. If you think about like what you need to address each type of emergency. We're kind of stuck stuck in the type one, right? Everybody wants their gun and their tourniquet, right? But what if you're dealing with something that's going to last five weeks? What are you gonna, What are you gonna do if you're in a situation that lasts five years, right? Like the um, the Croatian uh, collapse lasted like seven years. Like, could you imagine that? Like, what on your first line? What what on in your EDC is going to get you through that? Yeah, y'all had an excellent podcast uh, that I listened to. It was like the first or second one that I listened to. It was like Living as a Refugee or something like that. I can't remember the exact title, 
but you had a guy on there who was talking about living that life for long duration. And like they were having to go off and get water and collect it in a bowl and come back because the water in the city was no, no use anymore because it was so tainted. And, and unless someone has listened to that, they have no frame of reference for that. And obviously I don't have a personal frame of reference for it, but like that really helps set the mindset for, for needing these skills. Well, what what I would say too, and and maybe even the big takeaway from that is because like, I wouldn't want people to look at it as like a National Geographic article where you see a picture of somebody living in a fucking hut and going, oh, well, that sucks. You know, but the idea is contextualize, right? So to, to Aaron's example of applying it to understanding emergencies, type one, type two, type three, um, I'll make an example from my medical background. I have very different concerns of neck and back injuries and even just type one, type one car wreck. My holding C-spine, type one car wreck, and the car's on fire. I'm ripping a motherfucker out, you know. Uh, type two, you've got that. Well, what kind of bracing does this person need, and what are they able to complete with the group on the day to day? Do they need pain control? If they don't have pain control, what are their positions of relief versus type three? Okay, well now we've implemented a series of lifestyle changes for your physical therapy and recovery on this. And so it's, um, in every case, a spinal injury is the emergency, but uh, recontextualizing it across to what it's going to mean for you. And then also spheres of violence, people in the type three, when they think about long-term like to go mad max, right. And they like to think that the sort of violence they're going to see is going to look like a checkpoint somewhere in fucking Libya, but it's obviously not. If you realize that you're not going to face the same violent scenarios that a military would or a police officer would so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And one thing before I ever even came across the definition of the top one, twos and threes that y'all do um, that I, and I, ha- I have a medical background for those. I don't know if I've ever mentioned it on here. It's not just super important to the topics at hand a lot of time, but like I have to teach because we have students that come through. And a lot of times I'm the one who's kind of pegged to teach for whatever reason. And I always tell them, like, if we have a code, like you've got primary, secondary and tertiary jobs and look at me like, what are you talking about? Like your primary job is the main thing that you're hired here for. So like if you're a nurse, it, it is, it is fulfilling your job in the code as a nurse. So if your doctor is fulfilling your job at the head of the bed, you know, inserting an airway, if it's a respiratory therapist, it's, it's maintaining the airway and all that secondary is getting your equipment that you need. So like if you get past the first initial one, we started the code, we've got them intubated. So like if you're a respiratory therapist, it's getting the ventilator and getting that going. And then tertiary is helping the other people in the room. So like you have to, it's what I always just tell people. It's like, you've got stages, but you need to focus on the primary, most important one first that's pertinent to the situation at hand. Absolutely. Well, and you know, one of the things, The way that I kind of visualize that is if you think about driving, and I know this is probably a lost analogy these days because um, there's there's not a lot of manual transmissions, but when you're driving and you're in first gear, there's only a certain range of speed that you can safely go uh, while you're in first gear. And then you have to shift, right? You have to shift gears. And that, as far as a metaphor, that works because we have to shift gears. Like if we're dealing with a type two, like Ida, Hurricane Ida was a, a good example where you don't know how long it's going to be. You're on day six or seven. Like nobody knows when the lights are coming back on. The only amenity you have is, is cold water. Uh, and you're in a mold-smelling room, and it's 115 degrees in the day. Uh, 
you have to shift gears and be like, look, man, my primary concern right now is not shooting some dude. It's I don't want to get sick, right? Like I need to make sure that I don't get a respiratory illness. And if you're living without any sort of power or air conditioning in the Gulf, you know, everything gets more. There's mold, right? So you have to shift gears. And, and again, like if you could not escape that, and that was an indefinite timeline thing, you have to shift gears again and be like, I can't stay here, right? This is going mm-hmm. to be hazardous long term. I can deal with this for a month. I can't deal with this for three or four years. Um, and so that's that's kind of the analogy I'll use because I also like to drive, of course. But um, yeah. we have to be able to recognize, like, hey, look, the the speed required for this problem it's inaccessible we're going to get out of this one gear right so we can carry our tourniquets on us we can carry our handguns on us and those aren't bad things right like it's it's a net positive when we get gun guys who are like holy shit dude i did not realize how bad i needed jujitsu for some striking i didn't realize how bad i needed some physical fitness i didn't realize how bad i needed a tourniquet those are good things but don't just get them right like you've got to you got to do the legwork, right? You've got to think about why am I doing this and how can I best do it? And the same thing goes when you step that up and, and say, look, now I'm, I'm worried about more long-term problems. I'm worried because my kid has diarrhea and we're stuck in this house and there's no clean sitting water, right? Like, do I have, you know, the, the proper medications to give them to control the situation? Um, right. How many people, so what kind of a funny story. I was tracing through uh, an abandoned um, hospital and we came across a, a squad and we're looking around and it's me and a buddy of mine from the top, really good dude. I actually moved in the military as a parasite dude and he really mentored me. Um, anyway, we're, we're poking around and we, we get into this squat and we're looking around and it's like, this guy's got like emodium, thermite, and then like lice shampoo. <laughs> and yeah, I'm looking at this stuff like, holy shit, man. This is like assimilating my schema right now because I've never been that homeless. I've never had to think about like, am I going to be literally lousy? <laughs> you know? Yeah. About stuff like that. That's just a type two problem or a type three problem, depending. And we don't really shift gears to to look at those things. I know, like, hey, it's good to have some some Tylenol now or whatever. But have you considered what would happen if you were living? for three or four years without any sort of like civil infrastructure like what's that going to do with with regards to bed bugs there's no power in your house there's no like orkin guy coming to spray these are yeah the net out it's it's a ton of things that's just not considered right exactly and that's what i say like if you if you kind of use understanding emergencies as a template you can take those logical outflows and start building not fantastic or um like I don't know, like the sexier survival situation things that you would see, you know, mocked up on on YouTube. You can start looking at this kind of shit. Okay, these are the things that happen in a real life, and if I don't if I don't head these off, we're going to have problems at some juncture. And it's a prudent, practical thing, right? It's not just hey, I, I stocked away a bunch of gold and gas masks. That's kind of the way. I'm doing it. Right. Yeah. And that's the thing, people. And again. I, I've turned back to this a ton of times and, and y'all have too. It's like YouTube is the big thing. And, and recently one of the articles, I, I want to say it's one of the articles might have been one of the podcasts talking about how YouTube's kind of the, the venue that many go to for the stuff that we're talking about, because you can put it in video and it's longer and better format as visual. The issue is the majority of people who do that are talking about like top 10 things to put in your bug out bag. But then it's not top 10 things to keep in your house to keep your family from having, you know, diarrhea and dying of dehydration. 
Well, that's because sex sells, man. Yeah, sex sells. That's what I was going to say. It's sex sells. Yep. And I hate that. And that's one of the things that I try not to do with the content that I put out is I try and give it some semblance of realism. And if people ask me, because people ask me a ton of stuff. And if I don't know, I always try and direct them to people who do know. But a lot of it I can answer. And when I do, it's like, look, the stuff that I put on my page is, is a very small portion of the things you may possibly have to deal with in the future outside of the grand scheme of things that you need to talk about. Um, and it's like, I, I want to give more and I always say, I want to give more info and content towards those things. There's only so much I can do with, within my realm um, because it's almost like, and, and I'm not the only page out there doing it. There's lots of them. And you know, yours and, and others that are are trying to combat kind of the mindset that we've had over the last like decade as far as the youtube gun gurus and the things that they know and it's not that they don't know any information it's just it's almost like parroting and they they keep putting out the exact same thing and they'll change like one or two words and, and re-put it out there and they're the flavor of the day so this is all of a sudden gospel and like i'm trying to combat that to a degree and bring back some common sense to it that people can relate to. Well, you know, it's, um, man, I wrote about this in the article too, is I don't, I, I don't blame the industry as much as I blame the audience and you can't sell people what they need. You know, someone needs a Camry with insurance and gap coverage. You can't sell that to them. They want the 28 APR percent APR charger. <laughs> you know, you just, you can't stop right. them from buying that, right? And um, I use an example in the article about um, there's this group of guys that are super smart, incredibly well qualified. They teach a four-day course on urban survival, and they spend two and a half of it in the shoot house. And is it because they think you're going to spend, you know, over 50, 60% of your time shooting people in urban survival? I very much don't think they do, right? It's because... Everyone that signed up for that course looked at the rubric and saw that they got to wear all their gear and they got the room clear with their rifle for real. And they went, that's what I fucking want. And then they bought a seat in the course and you get all these instructors that I'm sure they would love to teach you how to, I, I don't know, make little like alcohol stoves out of cans and stuff like that. But you can't sell that to anybody. They just won't buy it. The guys that want to feel cool with their rifles will go to that urban survival course and they'll be like, oh man, I didn't slice enough fucking pies at the end of it if you don't give yeah. them what they want. And so I um, I blame the consumer uh, these days more than I blame uh, the industry. Yeah, so on the note, and I don't know if this is the one you're talking about. Uh, there's one local to me in Arkansas that uh, a well-known gear manufacturer just got done going to and recently posted a video on uh and if anyone's following you know what i'm talking about i know from talking with people who've been to it that luckily that's not how it is um it and because i don't like personally know the owner i've been out there a couple times a long time ago he's literally putting out information uh to benefit the person and it's very much geared towards like water procurement and filtration and pulling security and things like that you may have to do in an urban situation for a short duration top one type of thing if you're in a group that's leading to like a top two so there are plenty out there that that 
just sell the sell the sex and fake the funk. But the one that I'm talk I'm thinking of that's that's local to me is luckily not like that. So there is hope that there are those out there. But it comes down to the end user who's paying for a spot and paying for that ticket to try and fluff out what is real and what isn't and is this person actually giving you something useful or are they teaching you dog and pony shows to let you feel better about yourself yeah, mm-hmm. yeah i've heard it said that uh, you can't give away shit but you can sure sell manure and i think a lot of that's what's going on but it is not the entirety there are definitely no. great out there and Man, I, I'm always happy to, to throw some props towards people that I, I really believe in and I think that are doing great stuff. Nathan Wagar at Borderland uh, is a, one of the best critical thinkers out there. Um, I think that uh, Greg Elifritz is a great guy. Um, and he's I'm actually reading his book right now, that, that adventure book. I picked it up and I'm reading it. Yeah, Greg is he's awesome, man. He's doing some of the most high-minded stuff, and he's about getting out and living, and I love that about him. Um, I also think that Justin Fields over at Swift Silent Deadly is an excellent resource. Um, you know, one of the things that I, I love is when other companies, especially when the people that I respect come up with similar conclusions to our own and we can kind of compare notes and, you know, all these guys, like I might have subtle disagreements with them on small things, but the, one of the things that I think is utterly lacking is a sense of humility, a sense of like, Hey, you know what? I don't know. Let's figure it out. Because when you go to these people, a lot of their persona is tied up in the ego of saying, look, I am the authority on this topic. And I'm going to tell you right now, like early on in my career uh, in the military, I remember talking uh, to a friend of mine. He was telling me, look, man, everybody in soft knows this and nobody's going to tell you, but it's no guarantee of the experience you want. You're not guaranteed what you want out of it. And so when you start looking at things and say, you know what, like, Sometimes these dudes are, are well credentialed, but maybe they don't really know specifically about them. Remember that uh, ER doc that said that being stabbed with a pencil was the same as being shot with a pistol caliber? Yes. That's what I'm thinking of. <laughs> I have not heard about that one, so that makes me cringe. Just yeah, I won't mention the exact name, but I stopped following that account. Yeah, yeah. And, and this isn't somebody who doesn't have cred, right? Like, this is somebody who's a medical doctor and Right, and that, and that's one of the things people people look at credentials and think that clears them. Like, I have been in a personal situation in my ER where we had someone who came in with a stab to the leg that had bled like four quarts into the freaking uh, floorboard of the car before they dumped him out and drove off. Yeah. And we got him on the bed, and I'm like, "Hey, someone get a tourniquet on this leg." And the ER doc's like, "Oh no, it's it's not spurting. It's not arterial." I'm like, "He needs a tourniquet on the leg. Like, it's really." He's like, "Oh no, it's not arterial." I'm like, "Okay." So they start hooking blood up to him, and all of a sudden, it starts. Spurting. Yeah. It's like, not, oh, yeah, it's not, yeah, it's not spurting because he's got like out. a map of 60. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, like he has no blood for it to spurt out, right? But like, but like, I have an ER doctor who's a trauma doctor from like across the pond, and he's like, No, we don't need a tourniquet. I'm like, Dude, look, someone hand me a tourniquet. I'm gonna put a tourniquet on this thing. And luckily, I, I was actually the only one in the room who knew how to. It's not necessarily in the purview of my job, but because mm. I had taken classes and done things. I knew how to get the tourniquet going. So I put a tourniquet on like right after he's finally started spurting blood because we put blood into him and, and had to deal with that. It's so funny. It's funny, like, don't, it's don't funny don't how much like, tourniquet evidence comes being. away from that, from just not knowing how to use one. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I remember when, uh, you know, when I was young, if you asked me about a tourniquet, it was use the sticks and a belt 
and it was death of the limb, right? And how far we've come is just all 15, 20 years. It's crazy. But, you know, and that kind of ties back to the point. Eventually, you have to have some humility and be like, look, I don't exactly know. I, do, I can't account for every blood loss situation, right? And I know that in some cases that this might be the answer. So why would I not carry this thing, especially in an environment where, you know, heavy bleeding is a, is a problem, like warfare. And then people start doing that. They start in, incurring those casualties and they start treating them thusly. And they're like, holy shit, this works. Like, we should have been doing this a long time ago. And they were. How old is the tourniquet, right? And so a lot of it's reinventing the wheel. And I think that we can eliminate some of that if we, if we just have a little bit more humility. And, yeah. you know, that ties back to, to one of the things that ISG is really about. Because when you get down to it, ISG is not about shooting. It's not about four-wheeling or getting into adventure. It's not about skill building. It's a culture. At its core, it's a culture. The entire idea for us, and this is why, like, I get pissed off when people like jack our content and like repackage it as their own. But the joke is kind of on them because that's our goal. Like when we got into it, we're like, we're going to, we're going to sweep the board and we're going to change the way people think. And the reason is, is because they can't afford not to. When you, it's like Schopenhauer's three stages of truth, right? Like first it's rejected, then it's violently opposed, and then it's accepted as self-evident. And so eventually, you know, the goal with ISG is, we're hoping that this stuff will kind of become self-evident as we're bringing up the infrastructure to say, hey, look, okay, cool. Now you have the information. Go do it on your own. Go volunteer with your fire department. Go get schooled up in search and rescue and volunteer with them. Go get your EMTB and ride on the ambulance, dude. Like, whatever you're doing, do more. You know, go find more experience. Go be a better person. Go be more involved. And there's a sort of, like, philosophical component of that. And our lives are utterly lacking any sort of cogent philosophy of life. You know, modern society and relativism have, have just eroded that to such a degree where it's like, if you think back on it, like in any period in history, and it's even still present in like our lore, where it's like the young man goes to the wise man and the wise man gives him a task and he goes out and accomplishes his task and he comes back and he's like, he's sort of reborn into a man, right? And he's, he's gone through this right passage. And it's been really removed from us. And we don't really have that like shonen type mentality anymore. And that's to our great detriment. Like we really need people who can guide the younger generation to say, look, man, I was there. I remember feeling like this lost, shitty sense of, of you know, hopelessness because there's just nothing to do but go to this fucking strip mall, right? Nobody yeah. wants to live like that. It's a byproduct of the society we live in. And I'm not trying to blame the system or anything else. We don't care about that politics don't matter what matters to me is that we need to provide that culture if nobody else is going to do it fuck it we will yeah and you know and and another thing and it's not it's not necessarily any one person's fault because like you said it's just the way that society has gotten and especially today but like we have these wonderful phones that have all you know that we're walking around with like supercomputers in our pockets yeah so at any point in time we have access to this information but the issue is a lot of, I mean, I've been guilty of this myself, is you will look up information on a topic and read about it and you have a little bit of knowledge and then you go, oh, I'm all seeing and all knowing on this topic because I, I have watched it, a YouTube video on tying this knot. I've never tied the knot, but I watched somebody on YouTube do it, so I know how to do it. And then if the time ever comes that you have to do it, you shit your pants because you don't know what you're doing. And but But up until that point, you walk around feeling like you have this knowledge and you've never put it into practice. Yeah, it's the the sad truth of the Holiday Inn Express ad, right? <laughs> yeah. 
Well, and how many times have we talked about this, Jake? Where it's like you can you can fake it in the gun world. You can fake it in the survival world. You can go in there and be like, "Here, look, I'm doing this," but you can't do that with medicine. You can't do that with the technical. That's what's so nice about the medical world, man. It's like the proof oh, yeah. is always in the pudding. But, but and it's like you get fluffed up pretty quick, whether you know what you're doing or not. Yeah, exactly. It's like you if you're rebuilding an engine and you start it up and the and it fucking starts on fire, starts knocking or you know blowing. Sends a rod to the sends a rod to the hood. Yeah, well, you didn't do it right. You know, you might have thought you could, but you couldn't. And well, that that touches on the most insidious part of the dumb gun stuff is that they will never be traced back to the consequences right. of bad advice should it be heated and it gets someone hurt. Right. I totally agree, man. That's that's like that's one of my pet peeves is because a lot of those guys will stand there with their palms out and be like, well, you know, I was just I was just being an entertainer. You know? like, I didn't yeah. tell them to do it. I just showed them that this is a way to do it. Mm, right. The Alec Jones defense, right? Alex well, Jones, yeah, in his exactly. custody case. Well, I'm just playing a character. Exactly. Well, and never mind you know, that a million people a day listen to my channel and believe it. Yeah. Yeah. And when we first start, started out, like doing the public thing, um, Gino and I found this this guy, and he was a he was a Navy SEAL, and he was talking. He's given this this like YouTube video, and he's like super fucking machismo about it, right? And he's pointing his finger block at you and telling you like, okay, somebody's gonna abduct your daughter off the back porch. What are you gonna do? You know, and he's like showing you the scenario and uh, he's like, eventually he gets to his point, which is I'm going to run out of the house and start shooting rounds into the ground. And uh, it's like, what are you thinking, dude? You're going to send rounds indiscriminately when some dude is grabbing your child. Like, first of all, you've just you've just torched off rounds in a suburban area. Like, what is the civil liability right there? Second of all, if that guy drops your daughter while you're mis- you know, mid discharge, are you going to send a ricochet into her? You know, if if you go out there and go hands on this guy, he's not a he's not a cheetah, dude. He's not going to leap a fence with a sixty pound girl in his arms. Like nothing about this makes sense. But it's someone from a seal, right? So it must be legit. And so right. I, I'm not trying to dog on the seals. Like I, no, no, it's just it's back to the credentials don't necessarily make you an expert. Yeah, and what it comes back to is another thing that we talk about frequently, and that's the Dunning-Kruger effect. Like, the the less you know, the more you think you know. And when you get a dude who's, like, wildly experienced in raiding, you know, compounds in in Afghanistan or, or Iraq, they come back and they might think, well, I know all there is to know about this, dude. I've raided places for my entire adult life. Like, yeah, but not in a suburb of Colorado. Uh, well, somebody's holding your daughter, right? Unless, you know, you're an 80s action hero. <laughs> and, then and it's but, not that it's not that they don't have anything to offer. And it's not that a person can't learn bits and pieces and apply it to their life. It's just that the context, not, unless you literally copy and paste the situation for situation, it's just not the same. And that's with everything. Right. Right. And that's the thing. It's like, I wouldn't try to take my home defense strategy and overlay it on raiding caves in Tora Bora. You know, that wouldn't make sense, right? And we can all look at that and kind of laugh and be like, that's dumb. Then why would you do that? Mm-hmm. But we're doing the inverse, right? We're doing that every day. Every time we go and take a CQB class, we're like, in, we're indulging in this fantasy. Like, this is going to apply. And it's really not. Like, if we were honest with ourselves, we're like, okay, I want to take a class, use my rifle in a, in a context that works. It's like, dude, you're probably talking about like static defense or, um, you know, guerrilla warfare, frankly. 
And that's, that's something I want to get into because honestly, we, we try really hard not to be edgy. We try not to be political and keep all that stuff out. Really, this is just about skill building and, and the culture, right? But those are the things that are more likely at this point. I yeah. hate to say that. Dude, I, I will tell you right now, and I'll repeat it, add in some of them, but the worst possible thing would be a civil war. Like, I hate that idea. I lived in a country that was in the state of civil war, and it's yeah. Sad. And people who, especially if you don't know anything about history or look at history, and it's not necessarily our civil war, but civil wars that have happened across the globe. And a lot of people don't realize that there has been, you know, anything outside of a war between the states here. Um, But it's not something you want. And that's what always kills me. It's like you have all these dudes in Hawaiian shirts and plate carriers. They're like, oh, bring on the boogaloo. I can't wait to, you know, wage civil war against the left and, it's like, dude, you have no clue what you're talking about. Because when your kids are walking down the street because your house got burned down and they don't have any shoes and and you're just hoping and praying you can find like a piece of rubber to put on their feet because they're bleeding and screaming for their dad. That's 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 the reality that you're walking into. And mm-hmm. that's what you're screaming and crying that you want. And you, just, you are disassociated from the, the harsh reality of it. Even worse to me, the the part that I hate about that is that it requires this sort of practice daily for resentment that makes devils out of your neighbors, right? Like, are we all not Americans? But the 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 sort of uh, uh, habit that you've worn yourself into every single day to see someone that wears a different colored hat. And to really, actually hate that person, it's um, it's it's so convenient, it's fucking retarded. Yeah. So like, pardon my French. <laughs> no, I mean, it, it, it's a point because like a, a decent example is like for my personal life, uh, I voted one way uh, when it came around, and uh, my uncle voted a completely different way. And for if you can't tell, I'm generally a right leaning individual, uh, more conservative than anything else. And they're very much just liberal people. And I don't necessarily agree with their their views on a lot of things. But I can tell you right now that if the flip was switched tomorrow and they called me because they needed help, I would go directly to them and help them. Uh, Because at the end, none of that stuff matters. We have we have been fed this narrative in our world where you have to hate each other because you don't like their political viewpoints or or whatever whatever insert whatever offense that you think there is and in the end we are all human beings trying to survive a little bit longer in life and if people will just realize that you know i hate to be all kumbaya about it the world would be a better place tell you what tell you what we're, we're all getting on a i think we're getting on a tangent yeah, Aaron, tell me, tell me if you think this analogy is right to bring back to the idea of what we want ISG to be in the sea of all the other tactical media preparedness media that's out there. Many, many hammers will want to sell you reasons that you need to find and deal with nails. But ISG very much wants you to be a multi-tool instead. Yeah, we want you to be the carpenter. You know, we want you to be the guy who who can look at that and be like, no, I can I can build. This is not just about hitting one thing over and over again. I can look at this and see the bigger picture. I can be the guy who who builds something out of this. And you know, 
to tie this back to a tangent, I think that one of the things that relativism has brought us is this misunderstanding between like what is good and what is bad. And I've, I've struggled with this. You know, this has been something that I think about philosophically. And again, you know, SG at its core, and this is, this is not something that like if you come in kind of like orbit ISG or you want to be involved with it, nobody's going to push anything on you period. And this isn't, uh, it isn't, I don't know, it's not a cogent philosophy of the group. It's just we, we kind of want people to think more deeply. But if you think about it, when you have something that's inherently good, it's, it's typically a creative process. It's non-destructive. It's, it's bringing new things forward. It's bringing things, um, bringing things up. It's, it's supporting things and so forth. And when something is inherently bad, it's sort of an entropic process, right? And so that's, that's what we're looking at when we're looking at like tactics, tactics social media and everybody's a hammer looking for a nail, right? Like just looking to hit something, right? And that's sort of an entropic process. It happens and it's over with and it's done. It's not creating anything. If we're hitting a nail, like at ISG, we want to be doing that with a purpose to drive that spike into a frame and that frame is going to get sheetrocked and that sheetrock is going to get, you know, coated in, you know, whatever the... <laughs> The popular thing is orange peel or whatever it is. You know, and you're going to be able to live in that room, and that's the thing is we want to create a livable space, not yeah. just. And that's one of the things that I realized pretty quick when I got on the Discord, uh, with talking with other people and having multiple interactions. It's like I never really had a negative interaction. I've been in some discords, and and there are several good ones that I'm a part of, like the Longhouse and stuff like that. But I've been in others where it's like you can't post anything that's outside of the general group thing without being just like attacked like you're freaking chum in the water for sharks because you have to all think the same thing. And it's like that gets old really quick if you are someone who has any type of working knowledge. But when you're starting out, it's almost like they just mold you into group things like right off the bat. Yeah. So like you, you kind of have to have those teething moments where you don't know what you don't know and you get into it and you're like, okay, this is the only way. And then you, you start processing through that to realize that, okay, this isn't the only way. There's lots of other views and there's, you know, there's different ways to skin a cat type of thing. Um, but, you know, as far as the ISG framework goes, it's like I wouldn't even say like we would be a specific skilled individual as much as like a general handyman. Yeah. Like, like because a handyman can, can do maybe not excel to the point of like expertise and everything but they can look at just about any problem and figure out a way to fix it. Yeah. And I think that's the spirit of what Jake was saying. Correct me if I'm wrong, Jake, but like being the multi-tools, like you're pretty good at everything, right? You can make a cut, you can drive a screw, you can file something down, you got scissors, right? Like you can do all these different things and you, you may not be a specialist. And if it comes to a problem that really requires a specific tool, well, you know, breaking the analogy for a moment, but we have other people for that, right? Like not everybody's a generalist in ISG. We have a lot of them because typically, you know, the guys who are interested in learning, whether they are already a specialist, like if you're you're an ER doc and you want to come back and learn to shoot, obviously we're not going to be like, well, sorry, this is for generalists, you know, because mm-hmm. of course <laughs> Well, you know, that speaks to it because I, I came into it coming from, I was only ever writing medical stuff. That's all I cared about. And, it, you know, I came in there and I found guys like uh, we got another guy who's like just a super combo guy. And he helped me get my stuff kind of set up in that way. And we got another guy that's he's got aquaponics going in a townhouse yeah. in the city. And I'm asking him gardening questions. And it's just the availability of that resource 
And I mean, Sam, you work in medicine, you know, a huge telemedicine is now to try to get advice from experts around and clinicians. It's uh, even among specialists, they integrate knowledge to try to get to the right answer. Yeah. We just about can't work a code in the ER anymore without the little TV monitor popping up and there being like a panel of six different ER physicians sitting there talking to us about something. And that was, that was a big one. COVID first started and we had COVID people that we were bringing into the ER. We would have the, the TV panel of people talking about, you know, what they're doing and what we can do and things like that. So, I mean, telemedicine is a big deal and it's, it's kind of like a, the medical version of phone a friend. <laughs> well, and here, that's, that's another thing. So we, we wrote an article called the strength of the pack and really the article is secondary to a study that was done by Google and Google asked the question, like, why is it when we get all of these like high quality professionals together, they're leading in their field, we put them all in a room, they just fall on their face. But if we get a bunch of like regular, like go-getter type people who are autodidacts and we put them in a room together, they excel. Like, what is the difference? Why are we losing with these, these people who are kind of like the premium? And they, they spent years and millions of dollars on this study called Project Aerosol. And when the results came back, it came, it came down to a single phrase, and that was psychological comfort. Now, I think you could decode that and just call it a much simpler, more common word, and that is trust. Like, I can trust Jake to give me a sensible alternative if I'm being dumb, right? Jake can be like, no, you're wrong, and it's because of this, and here's why I know that. And I'm not going to be offended if Jake does that because I trust Jake, right? And, and vice versa. If, if we have differing opinions, we can come to an, an agreement based on the fact that we know we're all working for the same greater good. And a lot of times when you take people who are more ego-driven, they're not, right? And we kind of touched on that earlier. And so I think that creating groups in which you have some humility, you have a culture that emphasizes learning, you have a culture that emphasizes honesty, and you have a culture that emphasizes, you know, this the idea that you can trust the guys that you're around, you have a much greater propensity for, for like basically crowdsourcing good information. Yeah. It's just like, there's a difference between, you know, doing something for the greater good and doing something for the greater ego. Yeah, absolutely. And, and one thing that's nice about like the ISG group that's on the discord, it's like, you don't have to be someone who's relatively new and come into it and start feeling like you have to fake the funk. Like you can, you can walk in, I say walk in, but like log into the ISG discord and be someone who is a relatively, you know, I have just very, 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 very minimal experience in anything. And you will be approached in the same way as someone who's an expert in a field. It's just like you, you, you can be someone without having to pretend to be someone. You can be yourself and say, Hey, look, this is the stuff I'm wanting to learn. Who can help me? And there's going to be people who will say, hey, I've done this and I've done this and I've done this. Maybe I can help you. And then you'll communicate and then you'll cross communicate with other people. But you don't have to walk in to the discord acting or feeling like you need to act like someone who's got all of it together and knows everything when you don't. Like you just don't have to fake it to make it. You can just walk in and make it. Well, I think one of the cores with with ISG is that we've taken sort of a, a mentorship approach, which is. You know, like, and like you were talking about earlier, when, when we don't know something, we'll find somebody who does. We have a good enough network where it's like, you want to know what, you know, somebody in Ground Branch is doing or, or some, you know, OGA type stuff? Well, you can ask some dudes. You know, it's probably not going to be applicable to you, but we're happy to find that resource if that's what you really need. Yeah. But if you just want to know how to, like, 
you know, build a fence or rebuild an engine. Come on, let's we'll find somebody, you know, and like, we'll figure it out together, and everybody will be better off for for having exchanged that knowledge. And so, that's kind of kind of the idea behind integrated and group, right? Like the name speaks for itself. It's just what we are and what we do, and and nobody else is really doing that. I think it's it's kind of it's kind of sad. And honestly, if I were to to say like I have a goal, it's that this takes on life own and, and other groups just pop up and start doing this i don't really care if it's under the isg banner because you probably have noticed like we don't sell ad space we don't have uh oh, yeah, it, it's absolutely ad- criminal it's criminal that and i understand that like that y'all don't and that's fine i mean you it's y'all's baby y'all do it however you want to mm. but it's it's criminal I, like i said i didn't know anything about y'all until i just happened to be scrolling through instagram <laughs> And the algorithm popped out like I think it was I think it was your AK video by the yep. by your by your your uh, Land Cruiser, yep. or or whatever it was. And I was no, like, with your head flip technique. Yeah, I was like, I was exactly. like, what? What am I watching? Because, <laughs> because like the first thing that popped in my head because this is how this is how stupid my brain is like. Okay, this is like Uncharted LARP. And <laughs> because, because of the the Isle Royal pack and all that, and I thought, okay, so whatever. So like I scrolled past it. And I was just kind of sitting there thinking about, you know, what? I'm going to go back and look at that. So I go back and look at it and I'm like, okay, integrated skills group, whatever. It's, it's something that someone's put together and I'm reading like the, the, the little comment that goes along with the, the video. I'm like, oh, okay. So like, this is legit. Like, I, I completely agree with what you're saying because it makes sense and it's not like tactical range LARP bullshit. Right. Right. So I'm like, okay, so let's just kind of scroll through the page. I'm like, okay, you know, okay, this is a neat topic, and this is a neat topic, and okay, I really like this. And okay, so maybe you guys have some stuff together. I'm going to dive into it a little bit more. And um, I can't remember how it came about, but I was talking to Bearjaw, who's in uh, Discord. He's in another Discord with me in uh, the Longhouse, and he's like, dude, how have you just now heard about these guys? They're legit. And I'm like, I don't know, but somehow this is my first time experiencing y'all. So then I thought, okay, well, they must just be new, right? Like they're new kids on the block and I've just never heard of them because not that I know everything about everything, but when you get out there and do a ton of this stuff, social media wise, you tend to really run into the same people. And um, I was like, okay, well, they just must be new. Like that's gotta be it because there's no way I haven't heard about these. And I like go to the web page. I'm like, oh, there's like 200 freaking articles on here, and like there's stuff dating back to like 2000 and like nine and 2010. I'm like, God, these guys have been around since I've been out of high school. <laughs> How have I not heard about y'all? You know what? It's, just, I, it's absolutely criminal, man. I got a really good analogy for this, right? Let's talk about the Santa Fe Trail, right? Like early, early America, people going from St. Louis down to Santa Fe, and you leave on that trip. You got a hundred people, right? Most of the people who paid for the trip, but you got the one guy that knows how to fix wagon wheels. You got the one guy that knows how to feed horses. You got the one guy that knows how to trap, right? And uh, by the time you hit Santa Fe, is it just one guy? Or are there like 20 people that know how to do something about a wagon wheel now out of necessity? And 20 people who could trap. And 10 people who can fucking render lard, right? And ISG is all about the conversations that happened right around Denver. Where people wanted to learn, hey, let me help you out with that. How do I learn how to do that for the greater good? And ISG is full of people that we have no fucking clue how they ended up in Wichita, but that's where we picked them up. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, great... it's, for, for those listening, if you've made it this far into the podcast, uh, 
because uh, I mean we got on a little tangent there. But uh, if you haven't joined the ISG Discord, um, I, I, I highly suggest you do. If you don't want to do that, that's cool. At least check out the webpage um, because it's just a wealth of knowledge. Um, and just get in there and get in on it because it's really great. Like I know that it's not necessarily the, the same thing that I've been putting out the last year or so as far as my content goes, but it's like I made a video uh, the other day talking about how I'm kind of switching gears and it's not that I'm disparaging from what I've been doing. It's just, I see the need to get the more relevant information out there as far as the, the top three situation we're in now. Um, and I can still have the top one spurt information in there because it's still applicable to it. But the top three and top two stuff is really what we're into right now. And I think that more people need to know more about that. So, um, that's kind of why I was wanting to, to get y'all on. But yeah, if you, if you haven't looked into it, I highly suggest you do. I mean, that's just all there is to it. I, I'm a nobody. You can take it with a grain of salt, but it's got the Culpepper stamp of approval on there. That this is some stuff that y'all need to get in on. Well, thank you. And, and just as a kind of a note, we know that, that two things, ISG isn't for everybody. Like some people will see it and be like, it's just not my flavor, right? Like I'm, I'm not, I'm not looking for great. And that's what a lot of our information is. It's very concentrated. And the other thing is a lot of people come in and be like, look, man, I don't really, I don't want to participate in this stuff. I want to know it, but I don't really want to be a part of that culture. And that's fine too. Please drop us a line. You know, like you'd be amazed at how, how often we get people who are just like, hey, uh, you know, I saw your post on this and I saw your email and I just want to drop you a link because I don't, I don't like commenting online. Um, but I, I have this question and we're happy to answer it. Like, and if, again, if we can't, we'll find somebody who can because it's not really about us. We've always maintained that like this is, this is about strengthening each individual citizen. I want people to have stronger, more fulfilled lives, do more stuff gather more experiences, bring those to their family and raise kids who are going to do the same thing. And those kids are going to form communities and those communities are going to form a country, right? We have to start taking some ground back in terms of like the learned helplessness. We've got to start living lives outside of the box. and Owning up personal responsibility. Yeah. And it's like the, the tagline for ISG, in my opinion, is like, you know, be an asset, right? And, and y'all are genuine about that. And that's what I love. And that's what I saw pretty, pretty quickly off the bat is that y'all are genuinely wanting people to go out and be these better people. It's not that you're wanting them to go out and wave the ISG banner and, and mimic you. It's that you want them to go out and learn these skills and be better people for the better good. And that's well, just you know, a huge it's, thing. It's just that we got just as many books on our shelves about reconstruction as we do about battles of the civil war. You yeah, know, exactly. That's the perspective. Yeah, exactly. And you're always like, I mean, I think I've blown Aaron's direct message up a, a billion times now just <laughs> with general questions. But like, he's always been like, you know, you can tell like he's a busy dude. He answers when he can, but he's always answered me. And I think that's a huge deal um, because like, that's something that I try and do too. It's like, I have people contact me all the time and I always end these like, you know, hit me up on Instagram if you got a question and I'll always try and answer them. It's not because I'm a, just this great person, but I feel like if you take the time to ask me a question, it's only right that I take the time to answer it if I can. Yeah, absolutely. But, Dude, I'll be straight up honest. Like, I view it as very flattering. Like, if people exactly. want, like they want to learn the things that, that I've learned over the years, yeah. it's flattering to me. And I'm happy to, to tell people what I know and what I don't. And, uh, yeah. So, yeah, I, I definitely 
see that and agree with it. And yeah, I'm, I'm always happy to try to help guide people. That's one of the benefits of being a smaller organization. Honestly, like I, I know you say it's criminal, but we're not better known. It's kind of by design. Like we don't, we don't rub elbows for, you know, more followers because if it was, if I had 150,000 people going up my inbox, I couldn't get back to them. Right. And so yeah. I, I want this to be something that, you know, it's a smaller tight knit group of people who, when they, they do what you did, right. They come in and they see one thing, you know, kind of makes sense. Like I hadn't thought about this that way, or that, that makes sense to me the way I'm trying to, to learn. And then they read the next thing and they're like, Oh shit, this makes way more sense. And then they, yeah. they start snowball. Like that's more important. To me it than builds having. on itself. It just continues to build on itself. It's like every time I go on there and find a different article that builds on something else that I just read, I'm like, Holy crap. Okay. I got to go into this. Yeah, but, you know, exactly. it, talking about like the size of ISG and the genuineness of it. It's like, you're not so small that like you don't have anything to offer, but you're not so big that you're not rubbing shoulders with everybody that's in there. So, right. like, for, for anyone who joins the Discord, like, y'all have the welcome section. And it's like when someone joins, you you greet them. And, like, you legitimately greet them. It's not some automated thing that pops up. Because that's what I first thought. I thought, okay, I joined. It's like, hey, welcome, Mr. Sam Culpepper. And I thought, oh, okay, you know, whatever. And then, like, Jake Allen sends this giant, like, weird-looking freaking wave emoji thing at me that was super excited. And I'm like, <laughs> that's the okay, first okay. time I sent that thing. I was like, wow, that thing's aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, so this is legit. Like, these... These dudes are legitimately welcoming me to this place. <laughs> yeah, 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 and and that's kind of the environment we want to keep. And you know, as we have plans for you know what will happen if ISG inevitably grows. And essentially, what what's going to happen is people will take they'll shoulder the the burden on their own, and they will start their own charters essentially, and they will be the go to person for their area or for you know their account or however it ends up working, but. Um, the idea behind it is that th- those people will have a process to go through to ensure like, hey, yes, they are on the level. They are, you know, a mentor by nature. They have that right. kind of maturity. And so in that way, we're really hoping that the integrity sticks for the, the long term. We're, we're in this for the very long term. We're not looking at like, hey, can I make a few bucks on this now? We want to know that in 75 years, your great grandkids are learning ISG material. Yeah. And that's one of the great things, and it's great to hear that because I kind of picked up that that was the the vibe. Uh, but um, it's great to hear that because uh, I guess it was it was two or three weeks ago. Uh, a buddy who's local to me, Mar- Marauder on Instagram, had posted like a picture of a Boy Scout from like 1905 or 1910. Yeah, and uh, I was like, okay, that's cool. And I got to read into it. I was like, you know what? Like I was kind of in Scouts as a kid. It was a joke when I was in. Um, but we need to bring back the legitimate Boy Scouts. Like, like that's kind of, I just had this drive and I was talking to people and they were like, oh yeah, we're trying to do it. We're like based off the old guidebooks and stuff like that. And the more I looked into it, I thought, okay, this is something I kind of want to try. And then I came across ISG. I'm like, well, sh- these guys are already doing it. Like, this is exactly <laughs> how this needs to be. Right. So I was like, okay, so this is out there, which made me feel really good, which is one of the, you know, one of the many appeals to ISG. I was like, okay, like, and so when you said Boy Scouts for Adults, I'm like, this is legitimately Boy Scouts for Adults. It's it's being a better prepared individual. And that's what, if you look at the heart of Boy Scouts, it wasn't making, you know, derby cars and carving faces into soap bars and reciting stanzas. It was, you know, going out and helping people. Like you had to, every day you had to help a person in some way, shape, fashion, or form so you could spin your handkerchief around and show that you did your good deed for the day and your feather in your cap. Yep. So, like, or even better, if you want your badge, show that you can do it. 
Exactly. Yep. Like you didn't get the clout of I can make fire without making fire. Yes. And like and if you go back, like I actually downloaded the originals like Scout Handbook. It is absurd what was needed to do to get like a badge. Oh yeah. Like the, the level of expertise you like you legitimately had to be an expert. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's that's a good thing. And you know, I hate to say it because you know, a lot of times people people misunderstand the the desire to have standards as a sort of like selectivity process where you can only be a part of this if you're part of the select group. And it's like, no, it's again, it comes back to that relativism. There is objectively skilled and there's objectively unskilled. If you can't demonstrate you have the skill, you shouldn't be rewarded as if you, you did. And that might hurt feelings, but I'm sorry, it's just the way it is. No, no, legitimately, and it needs to be that way because it falls back into the YouTube thing of I can I can do a video of it once and it goes perfect and it makes me look like an expert. And yeah. because you watched it, you are now an expert, and because someone else watched it, they're now an expert. But like, if no one's ever really done it, even the person who created the video hasn't really done it, then none of them are experts, and you're walking around, you know, like idiots. But like, well, you don't know because you're essentially faking the funk without knowing it. Yes. And, you know, some time ago, Gino and I, we put together an article uh, on Mythbusting called Failure is Bad. And at the end, we made a highlight video. It was like 60 seconds of, of us and the ISG people just screwing up, you know, like falling flat on our butts or flinching when we're trying to shoot. And, you know, like just doing all the things that people who being human. Yeah, right. And the, and the people who are taking great care, editing and grooming their products. So when they get it to you, it's like this seamless flow of perfect performance. It's like, no, dude, look, I've, I've done this long enough to know you're going to fail many, many, many times. And that stuff is like rock and concrete. Eventually, it solidifies and you can build something on it. And if you pretend it doesn't exist, you're building a sandcastle. One, one of the greatest lines I, I've seen, I can't remember who it is that said it, but is if you are putting stuff out there and it shows like you're never failing, then either you're not really trying hard enough or you're lying. Like you were saying that you've never <laughs> failed, you're not trying hard enough, or you were a flat face. Second line. stage, second stage simulation, man. Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny. It, here's a big culture part of it. Um, I was at uh, me, Aaron, and another ISG guy were going over videos from us running gunning that day. And I'm running, and I made the mistake of leaving both of my zippers on the top of my pack so I lay gape, and my rain gear is just falling all the fuck over the place as I'm running. And we looked at each other, and never was there a thought of, should we cut this out? It was immediately, well, that's the value of pulling your zippers to the side. Leave that in. Yep. <laughs> you know? Yep. It's like, learn something right there. Don't spill your shit. Uh, and, you know, one of the you know, it doesn't really make it to the social media because, frankly, it's more, again, it's kind of like Jake was saying earlier where most of the stuff we do isn't like, we're going out to film today, guys. It's like somebody happened to be filming it. And, um, a lot of it is the value of being able to fix problems on the fly. And if, if you were to watch some of the, like, the interior footage that we do that we don't really, we, we go back over and we look at it for our training purposes, the stuff would be lost on a lot of the audience, and that's really a bummer because one of the things you'll see is like, hey, there's this mess up, but both of these guys are still covering their area of the 540. Both of these guys are still communicating well. They're working through the problem in real time. They're maintaining their, their cover. They're maintaining their concealment. They're putting down effective fire and so forth, all while managing these problems. It's just – it's that's the reality. Like when you get out into 
um, real situations when you're being shot at or, you know, things are dire. So kind of how it works, but it's not photogenic, right? Like, that's not what people go to Instagram or YouTube to find. Right. That, that we really want people to get to. It's like, hey, I'm comfortable enough working with this guy that we can work through this without having pre-scripted it or planned it, and we, we can work through the errors and make them successes. Yeah, because there's, there's a lot of trust that goes into doing that stuff with other people. You being out there by yourself with a camera, it, it's not the same as trying to work in a team environment or with a group of people and trusting them not to send around the back of your head. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> yes. And we, we've had situations like that. In fact, last time Jake and I were training, we had not rehearsed a particular type of bailout. And I had cut around because I didn't have good cover. Um, and I had drawn my pistol, and he came right out. It was I was bringing that thing up. I diverted it, and he looks at me, and we're like, yep, let's stop and talk uh, because this is a dangerous situation. And we did, and we fixed it, and we, we drove on. And it was one of those things where it's like I don't, I don't ever want to fail in that way and obviously, nobody who's training with you wants you to because it's it'd be dangerous, right? And when we get into real situations, we have to be able to work through those things quickly. And, um, you know, it's, it's one of those things where, again, if you don't have the humility to be like, my bad, let me fix it, you won't. And that's, that's a tragedy. That's something that's and really... That did turn into a very... It seems super simple, but one of those like learned from a mistake, yeah, integral or like internal SOPs we have about bailout calls now, yeah. and we have that, and we could teach it to everybody we got in the group, and we could tell them exactly why and where they came from. Right, and you wouldn't have had that had you not ran through it together, and had the fluff up, and then realized what you needed to fix. Yeah, but if you look, you wouldn't have known that if you just pushed put a perfect video out on YouTube. You know what I'm saying? So it all comes back to that, really. But well, we would have learned that, but now, right? right but now we can talk to the why of why we have that call. You know, right? And that's that's one of the things that we really come back to is like we will. We basically one of the things that we came down to Jake and I were talking about this last time uh, is that we have a sort of modularity. Like if you look at the way that we train and you look at the SOPs that we've designed within our, our groups and you look at the backgrounds, they're really pretty common and it's very, very easy for somebody who's had like a similar basic background, like a military person and another military person get together, they probably can communicate in a certain way, right? And it's, it's the same. That's one of the things that we're trying to do with ISG is make sure that there's modularity in that training to where you could go and meet up with another ISG dude you've never met before. And you could go out and train and know that there's going to be commonality that will make you guys safe and efficacious. Yeah, that's an awesome thing to strive for. It really is. That's, that's kind of the, the future goal is to start really um, hardwiring that into the next generation as, as things expand. Yeah. I, I look forward to, to seeing how ISG grows and, you know, I just joined the Patreon and, and that's something like y'all don't uh, promote out there, but like I, I joined the Patreon not too long ago and I was looking through and there's not a whole lot on there and you, you are forthright about that because it's hard to put content on Patreon and Discord and Instagram and YouTube and, and it not just be overlap crap. Right. Um, but like I can see the stuff that y'all are, are building towards and I, I really look forward to seeing how it goes. And the fact that you're only a state away is just awesome. I'm hoping we can link up 
and, and do some stuff there too. So that would be cool. Well, I'll, I'll tell you the the support and the Patreon, all that kind of stuff. When we get it, oh man, Aaron and I are maybe to a fault principled people, and especially against all the dumb advertising stuff. So when we get it, um, man, it's a big heart warmer because we know it's so earnest. So oh, for sure, thank yeah. you. Yeah, and I, I encourage anyone if you if you go to the Discord and you you go to the webpage and you find it's useful and and you are getting I am personally getting a lot out. I'm getting more than the money I'm putting towards the the Patreon out of y'all. I'm I'm just gonna put that out there. I'm I'm milking y'all for for way more than more than I'm putting in. But uh, if you're a person who's going in there and doing it, you know, go to the Patreon and support them if you can. Like I I don't ever really shill for people, and I'm I'm trying not to shill for them right now. But but like go to go to the Patreon and and donate anything if you can, just because it's going to help them out. It's just legitimately there's going to be good coming from it. Yeah, and it's it's all going to be the kind of stuff that maintains again being ad free. You know, not trying to sell people stuff, and um, it it's actually at this point it's also helping us keep everything running. So from our, our web store to our website, and we just actually had a major uh, redesign and, and migration from. Um, See web webflow to WordPress, and uh, so that's still kind of going on. But that was all made possible. Like the the fact that we have supporters, it's the only reason we can do that stuff. So thank you very yeah, much. I, I look forward to the new web page because, like right now, it's kind of a, a cluster trying to find stuff article wise and everything else. Yeah, it's but, it's going to be a process, but we will get it, there. And yeah, it'll be worth it. Yeah, one of these days. But, and then, uh, and I don't know if you have any left, but, you know, I, I posted that wallet that uh, I purchased from y'all that had the pick set. Like, so I don't know if you had any left. I, y'all may be doing more runs of them in the future, but keep an eye out if you're listening for those. And that's something you're needing in your life or you feel like you need it because it's super high quality. Uh, I, I pretty much spent all day with it in my hand just looking it over today and uh, smelling the leather because I'm weird like that. But uh, <laughs> it's uh, as a dude who's had a lot of leather and canvas stuff in his life and still has it. Uh, it's it's well worth what you put into it. it. It's super high quality. You can tell it's it's really nice, uh, high quality leather. The stitching's there. The quality's there. The layout's there. I've got a couple little things in mind that I think may be critiques, but that's just me being the, the weird dude that I am. But <laughs> but uh, but seriously, if, if you if I don't know if you'll have any left, if so, tell them now. But uh, if you do, and that's something you need in your life, I suggest grabbing one because it's it's a pretty slick little deal. We do have a few. There's not many. I think I have four left out of the original uh, fourteen. And um, yeah, they these ones are going way faster. Um, the last batch we sat on for a year, but again, we've grown we've grown pretty rapidly over the last year. There you go, listeners. There's four left. Fight. Thank you, man. We're getting yeah. to like Joe Rogan time frame here. Oh, yeah. I know, man. This is the longest <laughs> podcast I think I've ever done. I, I think I think the very first guest podcast I had went this long or just a tiny bit longer, but it's been great. Is there anything that y'all would like to cover before we close? I, I, I know we had like a list of things we wanted to talk about. I feel like we hit them, but is there anything just like in the back of your mind you want to get out there real quick? Yeah, listen, I know this is very contentious and it's been one of the biggest arguments in the ISG Discord, but definitively, I've done the research. 
I've run the numbers, and pineapple does belong on pizza. I'm 100% agree with you. We can close this podcast now. <laughs> All right. Thank you, gentlemen. <laughs> All right, guys. Y'all take it easy. Thank you so much for being on here. Uh, I look forward to doing this again, uh, and hopefully we can get that going in the future. Uh, to all my listeners, thank you for uh, being in here and taking the time out of your day to listen to us. Uh, may God be with you and your family, and I hope you have a good day. Thank you.